Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper. I hope you guys, for those of you guys watching on the live, enjoyed that. My real intro for the first time for a live. So, testing out some new software. Let me know in the comments right now. Not even necessarily the comments. Actually, no, if you're watching this later, let me know in the comments. But right now, live chat, let me know how the sound is coming in. Are we lagging? Is everything good? You know what I'm saying? Is the connection good? Because it's first time using this. So... Tonight, but, or, or sorry, before I go start talking about the games, before we get started, as you guys know, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dripper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. Also, make sure to hit the notification bell. That's something I haven't asked anybody to do yet, but if you're a YouTube subscriber of mine, hit that notification bell so you know when I'm going live or when I post a video, and that may help you know it pop up on your feed, you get to see it easier, and to comment and view it as quick as possible if you have your time. So let's get into the games tonight. Two games, both LA teams. I was feeling a little bit under the weather, so I was able to get out and do this live for you guys here on this Friday night. Lakers against the Washington Wizards. And the Clippers against the Atlanta Hawks. I'm first going to be talking about the Clippers against the Hawks. I also want to say my apologies to Clipper Nation for not having the vlog for the game the other night against Washington. I was at the game, but my phone died. I was out of the house all day, so I just didn't have any battery. So, as I said, I'm going to try to invest in a portable charger. So, that won't happen anymore. But let's start out with the Clippers and the Hawks tonight, right? So, the Hawks, obviously, a dime dropper team last season. They have had a terrible season. I had very high expectations of them to repeat their success from last season, and they did not. They have not done so at all. They've been one of the biggest disappointments of the season. And I talked about why that is in... Uh, what's it called? I talked about why that is... Um, on the midseason preview with my boy Shane, so go check that out. But let's get into the game tonight, shall we? Clippers against the Hawks. In Atlanta, Amir Coffey stayed in the starting lineup. Terrence Mann still came off the bench. Immediately, you got to see that Trey Young attracts two guys coming off screens. Every time he comes off a screen, you're going to have to press up a little bit. Or you don't want to let him walk into that three. So in the beginning, we start off with a hedge. Hard hedge or trap, basically. And Trey did a really good job of finding guys on the roll, whether it be Capella, DeAndre Hunter, or John Collins. And, you know, Batum was either stuck guarding the ball or guarding corner shooters because on a lot of those rotations, it was Marcus Morris Sr., Amir Coffey, or Reggie Jackson. And John Collins, Capella, too big, too athletic. They were getting some easy buckets. And when we were able to make those rotations, they were finding guys for some open threes. The Hawks started out shooting the ball really well. As did we, the only difference is 
the Hawks just kind of had a star. You know, that was kind of my takeaway after the first quarter was just the Atlanta Hawks have Trey Young and we don't. And, you know, we tried switching uh, our, you know, late switches and certain switches of big guys like Isaiah Hartenstein got stuck on, on Trey late in that first quarter on an island and Trey put him in the blender and hit a jump shot. And one thing I noticed from Trey all night long that he's added to his game this season is, you know, we talked about it. If you go back to my season preview with the guys from the Forever I Love Atlanta Sports podcast, we talked about how Trey was kind of a two-level scorer, kind of like Harden where he had that floater and he had that three, but he kind of neglected every shot in between. Well, we did see tonight the ability that Trey Young has kind of adopted that Chris Paul move where when we try to when the screen is set for him on the left to his left, He'll try to weave back to that right and get into that mid-range. But for Chris Paul, he loves the right elbow. For Trey Young, he loves that, you know, 18 feet away. He was pulling up from, like, the perimeter, you know, the the nail. So, let's... So, at the end of the first quarter, the Clippers were down 33-24. But the second quarter, Luke Kennard gave us a nice lift off the bench. You know, coming off screens, whether it be on the ball or flare screens off the ball. People trying to get him a little bit of space. He's... You know, he was knocking down his threes. Um, but somebody who played really well for the Hawks off the bench in the non-Trey Young minutes was Boyan, or, was Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, by the way, let me know live chat, guys, if you can still hear me, if the sound is good. Um, but anyway, Boyan Bogdanovich is one of those guys that played really well for the Hawks last year when he came back from injury and well in the playoffs. And he kind of took the reins alongside Lou Williams, who was in a little bit. Here and there, good to see our old friend Lou and Gallinari, um, both of which look a little bit washed, but Gallo still looks pretty decent. Lou looks like this could very well be his last season and probably should be his last season, but obviously, you know, Lou's going to do Lou. But Gallinari was one of their, him and Boyan Bogdanovich were kind of the main shot creators um, and, uh, in that second unit. And Bogdanovich was doing a good job. He was hitting his shots. Uh, he got to his floater, I believe, a couple times. But he was causing problems. Uh, Terrence Mann gave us good energy off the bench. Brandon Boston, you know, he got six minutes. I saw they showed that it was a large uh, portion of his family there. And he got a couple shots off. But for whatever reason, guys, Brandon Boston's jump shot has just looked really suspect of late. Like, some really bad misses. And, you know... I think he's a good shooter from the initial impressions we got of him. He's a good shooter. But, you know, because the bad misses, I mean, those got to be confidence, right? I'd assume just being out of rhythm, being a little nervous because he's not getting as many minutes. So he feels like he, every single shot is that much bigger when he's in. But, you know, I hope it's not just that we didn't get, uh, you know, carried away with um, him making a couple shots when he first kind of got some rotational minutes. But anyway, that was only six minutes, so it's not really that big of a part of the game. Uh, the Clippers actually made a run when Trey Young came back in the game towards the end of the second quarter. And we did a really good job, mainly Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard, of making the right reads and pick and rolls. Those are two guys that you cannot let walk into threes, and so that forces your big men to step out. And when guys like Zoo and Isaiah are rolling... They've, Reggie and Luke did a good job of finding them, and Isaiah and Zoo, especially Isaiah, you know, have gotten much better in making those four-on-three reads that you know are so common in today's NBA. Because every single screen with the floor spread, you put when you send two to the guard to the ball handler, that's kind of give you a four-on-three kind of read if you can make that pass over the top. And Isaiah is so good at finding that extra man, uh, I'm sorry, that open man, 
and finding either a cutter, whether it be Terrence Mann, who I really like in that dunker spot, because when Terrence Mann gets the ball, like, you know, right around the rim, he is one of those guys that always goes up strong. You know, that's one thing about Terrence. He's always going to go up strong. Sometimes he'll pick up offensive fouls because of that, but he's always going to go right at the body and try to be aggressive. And I like that, you know, Ty Lewis put him in those positions. But, and then obviously because we have better shooters as well, so it's just basic common sense. But, Reggie and Luke were making all the right reads in those pick and rolls. All the extra passes were being made, and we were hitting open threes. Nico got some open threes. I remember, Luke, obviously, Luke Kennard got some open threes. The Brewmaster, you know, it, things were going well, and we ended the half well. We outscored the Hawks 35-27 to in the second quarter. Um, Terrence also, I have to say, and we saw this in the last game when Nico Batum hit the go-ahead three, but Terrence has gotten a lot better at looking for that extra pass and making that extra pass. And he did a good job of finding that finding guys on that extra pass tonight in that second quarter run towards the end of the towards the end of the half. I also want to say too the Hawks defense, you know, they didn't have DeAndre Hunter last time we played them when you can check that vlog out Lou Williams return. It's on my playlist and on my YouTube channel. Uh, Hawks and Clippers Lou Williams return vlog. I sat in the second row, so the content was really good that day. But DeAndre Hunter didn't play, and their defense were, was a joke that game. You know, we got whatever we kind of wanted. Uh, I'm almost positive Clint Capella didn't play either. And we felt their presences both tonight uh, a, a whole lot. You know, their length, their ability to guard the ball. In DeAndre Hunter's case, mainly guard the ball, but Clint Capella around the rim. And tonight, Clint Capella, who, you know, I was in a Hawk space post game uh, with my guy Alex from Hawks Fan TV on Twitter. And they asked me who I thought was the second guy tonight, the most important piece in the Hawks' victory. And I, I say Clint Capella because I thought he did a good job of, you know, not only protecting the rim and playing good defense and drop coverage or whatnot, but I thought that he did a good job of when he had to be called upon to switch onto guards, he did a pretty spectacular job of moving his feet and staying in front. And I thought that he finished everything around the rim pretty well. As I mentioned in the first quarter, when he rolled to the basket and those high pick and rolls with Trey Young, he finished for the most part. But... Gallinari also in that second quarter didn't have a bad quarter as well as Bogdanovich. But Reggie Jackson as well. You know, when I say making the right reads, I don't just only mean passing. He got into uh, the you know the in-between area when he noticed that the big man was uh, sagging off too deep and more worried about the roll. He got into that little floater. You know, he got Capella on a switch one time and he hit a three right over him. And that may have been a Kong, one of the two. But Reggie was starting to feel himself at the end of that uh, second quarter. And we started causing turnovers on Trey Young as well when he came back off the bench in that stretch. So third quarter, though, Trey started playing better again. However, the third quarter, I thought we were very solid because Amir Coffey started. He had a stretch where he played of a couple of minutes where he was fantastic. He hit a couple open threes. He ended up finishing two of two from three and three of six from the field. He turned the corner once or twice on Trey Young, and there was one play where he dumped it off to Zoo for the dunk, and another one where he got an and one. And, you know, I thought that we should have tried to get Trey Young involved in the action so much more on defense, and I feel like that's the big mistake that a lot of teams make is not trying to attack that guy on defense more. And, you know, we need to do a better job. I think, well, we're not going to play the Hawks in the playoffs or anything, but I think teams really need to look do a better job of making Trey Young work harder on defense because, you know, he's not a good defender. He's not, 
you know, strong or, uh, you know, taller. And he's, and he does so much offensively. So you're not going to get the best effort from him on that end. So I would try to put him in the actions way more, you know, Amir coffee, he even got a steal off an inbounds, uh, in that third quarter stretch. And we got a dunk off of it to take the lead. I believe 76, 74. However, the, the Hawks did a good job of ending the quarter. You know, they called timeout. And when, I think when, when Marcus Morris senior got ejected, uh, that's when the game kind of turned. You know, he was unhappy with a call, and you know we were giving the the Hawks a lot of second chance opportunities. You know, I give credit to guys like John Collins, who you know I mentioned last year. He he has games where he gets a lot of offensive rebounds. You know, tonight he had two. DeAndre Hunter had two, and Clint Capella had six. And oh, I'm sorry, I looked at the wrong stat. My bad. John Collins had one offensive rebound, but Clint Capella had five, and. Onyeka Kongu had six, and he made his presence felt. And one play that really in the fourth quarter kind of changed the game was when he dunked all over Ivica Zubats. And that was the worst I've ever seen Zoo get dunked on. You know, that was a ferocious jam. And Kevin Herter hit like two contested threes, one to beat the shot clock. That was pretty deep. And, you know, I always, I've always said that I thought Kevin Hurd is a good player. You know, I think he can be a little bit inconsistent, as most young role players can be. But he can shoot. He can create his own shot off the dribble. Um, I know maybe not consistently enough for some Hawks fans. But, I know, but I've seen him do it. I can see him, I've seen him play, make, and pick, and roll. He's a player. We saw him in Game 7 last year against the Sixers in Wells Fargo Center. And he was fantastic. He was their player of the game. But Hawks, you know, Kevin Herter got, made those two threes. Made it 103.94. But I like the way Zoo responded to the alley-oop when he got dunked on. He went right to the post, you know, made a jump hook right over a Kongwu. And for the first time, guys, first time, I always say this. And you know how long I've been saying it. We need to look for Ivica Zubats more as a go-to guy in the post. And tonight... We did that in the fourth quarter. We only do it in the first quarter usually. But we did it in the fourth quarter tonight, and he was actually scoring. And we actually made the game close. And Trey Young, you know, he got some good looks for his team late in the game. You know, finding guys like, as I said, Kevin Herter, you know, for open threes and, and such. But we had a chance to make the game close or to win the game, really. And we were down two points. And Reggie Jackson, you know, we got the same switch that we had just scored on with DeAndre Hunter guarding Yvitsa Zubats. And Reggie Jackson settled, man. He settled for a three. We were down by... Oh, no, what happened was we were down by four, and we didn't go in time for the two-for-one. You know, DeAndre Hunter had just scored. We did not have the two-for-one, the time... You know, I thought he was going to take a quick shot, Reggie, when he came up the court. I thought he was going to take a quick one. He didn't. And then... You know, Zoo had the switch with DeAndre Hunter on him and was actually trying to post up. And Reggie like kind of looked him off and just kind of did his Reggie thing where he danced and shot a contested three. Clint Capella was the one defending him there and did a good job. And that sealed the win for the Hawks. 112 to 106 at the Highlight Factory. The Clippers dropped to 35 and 34. Not a game I think we should have won. We were not the better team tonight. You know, we almost stole it, but, you know, Marcus Morris Sr. being ejected, that really hurt. I, I truly don't think we did many things wrong. You know, I think the Hawks, when they play solid and when they try defensively, 
They are a decent team. They are a team that could make some noise. I don't think they'll make it out of the first round this year if they're lucky enough to get through the play-in, which I think they will just given Trey Young and their experience that they gained last year. But I just think it's been too topsy-turvy of a season. They don't defend at a well enough level to make it out of the first round this year. Not in this East. That's maybe the best East of my entire life. You know, probably is. But they move on to 32-34, and still two games under five hundred. Let's read the lines. Uh, off the bench for the Clippers, Luke Kennard, 14 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists on 4 of 6 from the field and 3 of 3 from deep. So Luke, you know, he made his shots. It's just sad that in 31 minutes he did not get enough of them. And you got to give credit to the Hawks. They probably, you know, knew Luke Kennard and how well he's been shooting lately and made an effort to try to not get him too many open looks. Terrence Mann, six points, four boards, three of seven in the fourth quarter in the beginning. He had a good look at a three that if he would have made it, could have really made a difference for us. But, you know, you can't get too mad at Terrence because one thing you know about him, he's always going to try and he's always going to guard good players. And he did that tonight. Amir Coffey, eight points, three of six on the field and two of two from three. Again, another guy that shot efficiently, just didn't get enough, sh didn't get as many shots as we'd like him to get. Reggie Jackson, 24 points, had some incredible finishes too in the game around the basket. One of them, when we were making that late push, he blew by Trey Young and finished at the rim amongst the trees. 9 of 20 from the field, that's 45% for Reggie Jackson. 3 of 8 from deep to go along with 5 rebounds and 5 assists, but also 5 turnovers out of our 12. So Reggie Jackson, you know, it's been a problem with him all season, and it's not going to be something that gets fixed. You know, it's just something he's got to do a better job of taking care of the ball. Ivica Zubats, fantastic. Should have gone to him more. Should have gotten the shot at the end. 24 and 12 to go along with four assists, a steal, and two blocks. So that was a great bounce back performance from what I believe was his worst game of the season the other night in, against the Wizards. It was pathetic. Even worse than the last live I talked about against the Warriors. He lost all confidence. He was not going up strong at the rim. He was second-guessing everything. And he was even second-guessing passes. And that's why I know Zoo's just off. But tonight, he gained that swagger back, and that'll hopefully bode well for us going forward. Marcus Morris Sr. finished with 13 points, only 33% shooting, 4 of 12, and 1 of 6 from deep before he got ejected. So that was sad. And then Nico Batum, 13 points on 5 of 13 shooting, and 3 of 8 from deep. He was all right. For the Hawks, Bogdanovich, 11 points, 6 assists, on 5 of 12 shooting, 1 of 7 from deep. So, you know, from, from 2, he was 4 of 5. So good for Bogdanovich inside the arc. Lou Williams, 1 of 6 in 12 minutes. I love you, Lou, but it's it's, it's that time. Gallinari, 13 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists on 5 of 12 shooting and an efficient 3 of 7 from deep. Onyeka Kongwu, you know, 6 points and 9 rebounds. Doesn't sound like too much, but... Six offensive rebounds, and you best believe that impacted the game. All the starters for the Hawks, almost all in double figures. John Collins, only nine points. And that's the thing, guys, is John Collins is that guy that I believed could be the closest thing to a second guy. But he does not seem to have much of an offensive bag. And look, I was talking about it in Hawks, with Hawks Fan TV today. It's not about having a face-up handle and dancing at the three-point line and being able to create your own shot like you're, like Reggie Jackson or something. I'm talking like a Marcus Morris Sr. kind of skill set. Mid-post. You know, maybe get a little 
face, you know, the face-up game. I've seen John Collins face guys up, shoot over them, you know, jab step. Once you get a mid-range game, like in a contested mid-range, that's all you need because guys are going to start stepping up and then you can take them off the dribble. And John Collins is very athletic. He's much more athletic than Marcus Morris Sr. Marcus Morris Sr., you know, he doesn't even like going left. And he still just has a contested mid-range and, and provides 18 points a game or, you know, 15 points a game for us. And John Collins with his athletic ability, especially being as good as he is in pick and pops and pick and rolls, far better. Like Marcus Morris Sr. is not a pick and roll guy. He's a pick and pop guy. So John Collins, you know, I feel like there's a lot of potential there. But, you know, it's also on the team to try to unlock that by getting him looks throughout a game. You know, three of eight, you know, eight shots is not going to cut it. But, you know, I, I haven't watched the Hawks like I have last season, like I did last season. So it's hard for me to say. But only nine points. It's just a lot to be desired there uh, for Collins, who is averaging 16 points a game. And, you know, he's averaged more than that in the past. He averaged more than that last season. So the fact that he's not progressing is just like, Making me think the Hawks shouldn't have paid him. And then I was wrong about that. But anyway, Kevin Herter, 6 of 12 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3, including those two late in the game. 16 points, or in the fourth quarter, I should say, not late in the game. 16 points, 8 boards, and only one turnover. DeAndre Hunter, 12 points, 5 of 7 from the field. Clint Capella, 14 points, 11 rebounds, a steal and two blocks on 7 of 9 shooting, so... He finished very well around the rim. And then Trey Young, the player of the game, no doubt. 27 points, 5 rebounds, 11 assists on 8 of 17 shooting. And he only shot 4 threes, 1 of 4 from the three-point line, but 10 of 12 at the line. You know, that guy is really annoying with how many free throws he's able to get and how many, uh, you know, calls he does get. But anyway, let's shift gears now to the Lakers against the Wizards. A really entertaining game and another for the second consecutive weekend. Virtuoso performance by 37-year-old LeBron James. 50 points tonight in the game. And let's just get into all of that stuff. Lakers started out again with a small ball lineup. LeBron and Stanley Johnson basically sharing the five spot, you know, depending on how they who, who they want to guard on, on a given possession. Porzingis started at the five along the side. Kuzma, Corey Kispert, the rookie out of Gonzaga, KCP, and Raul Neto. Of course, Bradley Beal out for the year with that wrist surgery. And then the Lakers, as I said, LeBron and Stanley J., and then Malik, Monk, Austin Reeves, and Russ. So extremely small. And you know one thing I really liked was Porzingis, which is rare. I never give him props. But Chris Stapp's Porzingis, I thought, actually came out and tried to get in the post, tried to dominate on mismatches, and he actually made some shots. It was like one of the best performances in a quarter I'd seen from Porzingis. You know, he was getting to that mid-post, uh, sometimes he posted up a little too high, and Stu made the comment, the same comment I made, uh, posted up a bit too high. But, you know, when he gets the ball within 12 feet, he he doesn't, you know, have the lower body strength to back guys in, but he can just turn and face or turn and shoot, and it's actually a pretty decent high percentage shot, in my opinion. I like when he goes to that. I do. I think it actually makes the defense work, and it's taking advantage of the mismatches because when the Lakers went small, when teams go small, they want to switch everything or switch a lot of those matchups. And the Lakers were doing that, and he was getting buckets. He was definitely getting buckets. I thought LeBron also had the really the right approach tonight in terms of 
shot distribution and the way he was getting his shots. So I thought in the first quarter he did a good job of playing off the ball. And that's something we've been seeing from LeBron all season long. I think what it is is he comes out trying to play off the ball to accommodate Russ. And then when he sees Russ isn't having a good game, he kind of just reverts back to the LeBron, LeBall dominance. And, you know, as long as the Lakers are defending, it's fine. You know, my problems with the Lakers are less about the offensive struggles and more about that LeBron and Russ need to lock in on D. And I thought LeBron, you could just tell from his body language, from how much tighter he was guarding his man off the ball and, you know, battling and communicating within the switch everything scheme. He was more engaged tonight. He was much better than, you know, the Houston game and obviously the Clipper game last week. You know, he rested the other game against San Antonio. And now I definitely believe it was rest after seeing the way he's performed. Uh, Obviously, he had a bad game the other night, but tonight he was ridiculous. So he was really good. He he played pretty hard. He set a good tone uh, on that end of the floor. Um, I thought that. You know, Malik Monk started out well. He got to the basket a couple times. You know, LeBron had some really solid, nice passes, good looks in the first quarter. That play where Austin Reeves sets a quick little slip screen for LeBron, and LeBron hits him with the wraparound right-handed pass, bounce pass, has worked really well a couple times this season. And Austin Reeves also once or twice showed some chops playmaking in pick and roll. So again, Austin Reeves is another guy you can look going forward to be a creator. I really don't think that LeBron and Russ are forced to do everything offensively like everyone says. I know people might say, well, look at what you're saying. LeBron had to drop 50 to win the game tonight. No, he didn't. He didn't have to drop 50. He just had a good game and let it ride. But he got his help tonight across the board in terms of the shot creation. To me, it's Russ just having a tough season offensively and not being able to get stops, not having good defensive personnel, and constantly having the lineups changing, you know, no consistency. And, you know, LeBron found the nice, but as going back to LeBron and his balance in terms of the way he was getting his shots in the first quarter, you know, the first play of the game, he came off for a catch-and-shoot three off a screen. You know, that's different, I, you know, much different. And it, when it's hitting, it works because it, makes, it lets Russ get an assist and just kind of stand at the top and, you know, make the simple passes. So... He also, you know, I remember got a couple, a dunk or two, uh, slipping in the basket on a screen or making a cut, but he had a really solid first quarter. Malik Monk had seven points in the first quarter and, you know, seven points for the first time out even. The Lakers were up nine though in the first, but they didn't capitalize on some open shots when Russ and Braun came out of the game. And many times tonight, Russ and Braun shared the bench together. And THT, I thought took the responsibility of, of creating for the Lakers on the second unit, and I like that role for him, and I thought he excelled in that role tonight. Um, it took a second for him to get going. You know, he created some nice shots for Melo when he first came into the game, Melo, and he didn't hit. And Carmelo, he didn't have a very good shooting night tonight for his, you know, standards, especially at home. Two for six. He only got six shots, which is crazy. You know, THT got 10 more shots than Carmelo Anthony tonight which is rare, but it's it's what, you know, sometimes the Lakers need Melo to not take so many shots. And tonight was one of those nights. But Cal Kuzma, I want to talk about for a second. The confidence that this guy is moving with in both the games I saw, uh, both all the games I've seen this season, but both the games I saw in LA these last couple days, is very remarkable. You know, it's clear he's kind of walked into the situation like, yo, I'm a champion. You know, I got championship experience. 
And he leads by example, honestly, in, in the way he carries himself. He commu- I've seen him communicating now. You know, he, he, his confidence on the ball is back. Uh, he is playing defense like he was in his last year and a half with the Lakers, like basically bubbling on. Aggressive. I, I, you know, he scored, you know, with some Euro steps tonight. Fate, you know, he was going at LeBron, you know, hit a, two threes on him with him guarding, with LeBron guarding him. One was a step back. And another one was just like in his face, if I recall correctly. I remember the step back really well, but it sh- it showed me a lot that Kuz has really, you know, come a long way. The Wizards were able, though, to narrow the gap at the end of the first quarter when they went to a zone. And the Lakers took a couple of really rushed shots, one by like THT, one by Melo, one by Braun, one by Russ. And Rui Hachimura came in and started hitting open shots, three balls. And, you know, I like Rui's game a lot. You know, he was injured for a good portion of the season, but he played well the other night against us too. I like how he kind of has a little bit of a post game, a little bit of that bully ball aspect of him. You know, he got a couple offensive rebounds tonight, two of them to be exact, and was actually punishing the Lakers' small ball lineup. And I saw some, you know, overall good things from Rui Hachimura, and it was a tie game after one, 26-26. Braun came back in the game and hit two more threes in the second quarter. One of them, he actually had two of these uh, in the game where he kind of sized up Chris Stapp's Porzingis on a switch and just, you know, did that little sidestep to his left uh, for the three. He did it twice. One of them was high arcing uh, in the second half. And then THT, he had one, he had a couple nice takes to the rim. But there was one play in the second quarter where he, he got a steal on the ball and he double clutch dunked it. It was very impressive. And another play where he went full on, you know, street ball and one one on one mixtape where he had a pullback and it sent, I don't remember if it was Corey Kispert or Denny Avdia. I think it was Kispert or Sadoransky, one of those three. It was a white guy. He got sent flying and he made the jump shot too. So THT was really feeling himself tonight. But Rui Hachimura was continuing to eat. Porzingis Gafford, who I really like. He's really athletic. He blocks shots and he, you know, is a lob threat. He had this one dunk where he just turned over his right shoulder, little drop step like he was Shaq and just slammed it down with like authority in the second quarter. And it just, it, I like watching him play. He's got potential. But bad ending to the second quarter terrible for the lakers you know it was very even but in this at the end you know lebron had two bad possessions in a row and then russ missed a point blank layup which was taken advantage of on the other end by kuzma on a reverse and Corey kispert also was, was another guy who had a really good game tonight he can really shoot the ball he has a really quick release and there was one time where russ just kind of like took his was ball watching for just a second and Corey Kispert flashed to the corner and was found for an open three and nailed it. Denny Avdia, by the way, I had to make a comment on him because he wasn't involved at all really. He only played 11 minutes, but you know, I haven't watched Wizards games, but I really liked what he, what because they were a dime dropper team last season. I really liked what I saw from him last season. He had a lot of potential, but this season it just seems like he's never involved. He gets one or two shots, and he obviously misses because he barely touches the ball. He looks like he's just nothing, like he's like a came off the G League or something. So that's really embarrassing. Or not even embarrassing, but just disappointing more than anything. But second half. Oh, man. 
Kristaps Porzingis went to the bench. And he didn't play much after that. After his normal third quarter you know, stint in the game. And by the way, Russell Westbrook was having a very tough shooting night again. You know, he got to the line early, like within the first couple possessions and made one of them and just missed his first like four shots, was like one of nine. And again, like Russ just not able to shoot, people sagging off on him. So he's going to the basket and guys are like right on him. You know what I mean? He's getting really heavily contested at the rim, you know, more than years past. And yeah, it's just it's just tough. But the third quarter, the LeBron James show absolutely took over the game for the second weekend in a row. The second home game in a row, technically. Yeah, because the Warriors, and they played the Spurs and the Rockets. So the second home game in a row, he put on a show. He was hitting from deep, which really got him going. And, you know, he got an and one at one point, but then he, he hit a pull-up three that was just nice and when he was hitting those he was hitting that turnaround over the right shoulder some high arcing ones you know he had I think 17 points at least 14 points in the third quarter and totally turned the momentum of the game on its head and you know what happens when the crowd starts getting into it defense picks up you get a little bit of that more motivation crowds getting louder let me play a little harder and the whole momentum of the game changes and what do i always say basketball is all about momentum lakers getting in transition lebron feeling himself and starting to hit tht doing his thing malik monk benefiting off that as was austin reeves so you know it was it was going the lakers way 37 23 in favor of the Lakers in the third quarter, as I said, mainly led by that guy, LeBron James. And then in the fourth quarter, more of the same, more LeBron, just dominant. You know, Russ started playing a little better, found some, re- made some really nice passes, actually found Austin Reeves for a couple of backdoor cuts, and Austin Reeves' movement off the ball was phenomenal. And you know one thing that was really interesting we didn't see tonight? Dwight Howard. We didn't see Dwight Howard at all tonight. We actually saw a little bit of Wenyan Gabriel, who we, if you'll recall, had a little 10-day stint with the Clippers earlier this year. He's in a vlog, I believe. Uh, a couple, actually, when I went to the games. And he hit an open corner three. And on another play right after that, to end the third quarter, Russ kicked it out to him on a pick and pop. Porzingis closed out hard. He got by him and went to the basket and dunked. So I think what Wes Unseld figured out in the fourth quarter was with the way LeBron was playing, he was definitely attracting two guys off a screen because if you're letting LeBron get downhill and drop coverage, he will score and go right at your chest and at your body. And he did that and got an N1 against Porzingis uh, in the second half. So once they throw two at him, you know what that means. LeBron's going to make the pass and you're in a four-on-three situation uh, as the offense. And THT... Actually had some moments where he moved off the ball well, which was rare. I always criticize his lack of off-ball movement. But tonight he had this one cut and dunk that was beautiful. And even later in the game, he had this spin move into a one-handed dunk on somebody. I forget who it was, but THT was really on one tonight. And it was just LeBron carried the Lakers home. You know, he got his help, but it was a really solid all-around performance. And the Lakers win it 122-109. to 109. They move on to 29-37. and 37. The Wizards 29 and 36. LeBron, 50 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, 18 of 25 from the field. Jeez. 18 of 25 from the field. 
Um, that is 72%, ladies and gentlemen. Incredible. Six of nine from deep. So you know what? It kind of seems like when LeBron just shoots well from deep, like the Lakers seem to win, and when he doesn't, they lose. Um, uh, that's not true. But a lot of times, especially when he cools down in the second half from the jump from with the jumper, it's kind of like what how he shoots shoot uh, his because he gets tired. You know, he can't play like go out to the rim every single second. You know, the way he used to. So he, he tends to shoot more jumpers in second halves, and when he doesn't make them. It usually gets really tough. It's part of why the Lakers have lost a good amount of close games this year. But when he's hitting, the results usually show. So 50 points, he was unreal. And getting the crowd into it, he was really feeling it. Um, Laker fans, let me know what you think. Was was it good how much he was celebrating with the crowd? Uh, was he that just, you know, being in the moment, having a great game? Or is he acting a little bit too arrogant for somebody who's down eight games below 500? Or nine games before tonight, you tell me. But he was feeling himself and... It, you know, he gave the fans their money's worth. Absolutely. 21 points also for Malik Monk on 8 of 12 shootings. So that's 66%. He had a very solid game. 5 of 7 from deep. You know, scored in transition. Hit his open threes, including one in the fourth quarter. That was big time. Austin Reeves. 12 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. He played 32 minutes. He was over 4 from deep, but 6 of 10 from the field. So 6 of 6 from the 2. From inside the arc. So, Austin Reeves and also great defense as well. A very solid defensive night for the Lakers. You know, just able to, you know, be okay with the small ball. It was hurting for a large stretch of the game. But when LeBron kind of calmed things down, hitting his shots. The the Wizards also went, this is what I was trying to say about the, uh, before I got sidetracked. When they were throwing two at LeBron, they were they were forcing the defense. When, when they, I'm sorry, when the Wizards throw two at LeBron... And he makes that pass, and the Lakers get in those four-on-three situations. That puts the Wizards' defense in rotation. They have to scramble. So Wes Unsell took out Gafford and Porzingis to try to go with the switch-everything scheme of their own. But LeBron was just having too good of a game. You know, he was hitting his, he was hitting those Kobe-like turnarounds over the right shoulder with a little shimmy shake in the corner contested. And you know, this is what I always say about Braun. He's not consistent with that over the course of his career. When he is feeling himself, though, he will hit these days. Back in the day... Kind of, but, he, you know, nowadays he'll still hit them even when he's not. He's more of a knockdown shooter and a better mid-range shooter, consistent now. Better just shooter, period, now. But when he's hitting shots with that degree of difficulty, usually when he's hot. Um, and tonight he was. Russell Westbrook, 2 of 11 from the field, 5 points, but he did have 9 assists. He had some decent defensive moments, including one steal from behind on Porzingis in the midst of the LeBron run. But he also had moments where he kind of just stood around. He only got 3 rebounds tonight where he stood around and ball-watched and was not boxing anybody out, just kind of standing around in the vicinity to get a rebound. And, you know, I can see through that a mile away. Uh, Mello, two of six, seven points. Stanley Johnson only had seven points, but he had six rebounds, had two steals, no turnovers, was plus 20, played defense, got his hand on a couple of loose balls, and was three of five from the field. So overall contributed well. And then Taylor Horton Tucker, absolutely fantastic performance. 15 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 0 turnovers. So no Taylor Horton turnover tonight in 30 minutes of play on 7-16 shooting. And he did not shoot a 3. So very impressive performance by THT Dynamite. Anyway, that's it for me tonight, guys. Make sure to hit that notification bell to know whenever I go live, whenever my latest video is. Make sure to call it for the algorithm so we start getting back in their favor as the playoffs are fast approaching and another season of Dime Dropper is getting ready to get to the nitty-gritty and the good stuff. 
Thanks for joining me tonight, guys. Now we're going to go to the live subscribers waiting oh so patiently in the chat. Peace out. The next time I'll be live will be, I believe, Sunday. But tomorrow I will be releasing part three of what went wrong with Carmelo Anthony Knicks with my boy Fabian Perspect TV. If you have not checked out the first two parts, I highly recommend it, knowing about what happened in detailed in the lead-up to Melo's Knicks. And this episode, we're going to get into the good years of Melo's Knicks, the first three, including Lynn Sanity and how that broke up. Thanks for joining me tonight, guys. A 40-minute live, about 20 minutes on each game. I try to do my best. Did I ramble too much? I remember, I'm always trying to go for constructive criticism and feedback. And because this new software is working super well, I will now be able to have guests on my live recaps. So that's a game changer, absolutely. Thanks, guys, and good night.